Hi, I'm Dan Halliday, and I'm a philosopher at Melbourne Uni. And I'm Christian Barry, a philosopher at the Australian National University. Dialogues is a philosophy podcast with a bit of a difference. My case is a bit unusual. We actually get members of the public... I would really like to see Australians given a fair go... ...to help us do the philosophy. We were on the housing waitlist for nearly four years. I, I wouldn't have anything, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure how... Oh, that's really hard. ...where you draw the line, where you say, like, that's not OK, but that is. In this episode, we're talking about equality and fairness... Now, it's common to hear people talk about everyone having a right to have a fair go. But what does that mean? Do people generally have a fair go nowadays? Yeah, it's a good question, Christian. I mean, first of all, I think we should just ask people whether they think they've actually been given a fair go. Hello, I'm Brad and I'm 23. So I'm Aboriginal um, and my father was the first Aboriginal psych nurse in Australia and I think everyone deserves a fair go and a second chance but not everyone gets it it's it's like for instance I mucked up I couldn't read or write so I couldn't like um, put down how much on Centrelink I was earning and they cut me off because I couldn't read or write that's not fair I, I didn't understand it but we were living in a transitional house just after we were homeless and we had a lot of stuff in the house and they told us we had to, like, they put us back on the streets because there was a cabinet close to the door and it was a fire hazard. Just because my dad has a sore back, he couldn't move the cabinet. So how's he gonna move the cabinet if he can't move, like he's got a bad back? Hi, I'm Nicole and I'm 28. For a lot of Australian culture, I think that unfortunately the idea of the fair go in the same way i suppose as um the american dream i think it's an idea that's becoming less and less achievable and less and less realistic i think that i would really like to see australians given a fair go that there's an undercurrent of racism in this country and there's an undercurrent of discrimination disability wise and otherwise that I don't necessarily think is working at the moment. That's not to say that, you know, things can't change and we can't get better at giving everybody a fair go. I just think that at the moment there's too much emphasis on where you were born, the kind of money that you're born into, the kind of job that you have, and it's not kind of giving Australians a fair go to me suggests there's some sort of equality that I don't really believe um, the government is all about anymore. Well, the short answer seems to be that people think, well, not really. They haven't really been given enough of a fair go, huh? Yeah, that's for sure. So I guess the longer answer has should have to do with just what it is that they think are interfering with people having a fair go. So some of the things that were mentioned were discrimination, the inability for someone to have a second chance, someone not having certain kind of requisite skills and abilities to function in different situations. Mm, Yeah, so a few things here. So, first of all, people have got significantly different circumstances from each other in terms of how they start off in life. You know, some people born into money, like Nicole said. Uh, And philosophers are quite concerned to distinguish between, well, inequalities or or outcomes that are due to differences in personal circumstances and those that are attributable to different choices, right? Yeah, and 
even that distinction is itself kind of difficult to make, right? So it's hard to sort of see that somebody who's born in a certain kind of social setting, even if they don't sort of exert themselves, even if they sort of get turned off education, even if they make various choices that have them ending up badly off, it's sort of a difficult thing to sort of simply say, well, they had their opportunities, they didn't make good use of them, so they should sort of sit with what they ended up. Yeah, like what Brad said about second chance, right? It, life isn't really like a race or a board game, right? It's not like we all we just want to have everyone start in the same place and then what happens, happens, right? Surely there's, there's a sort of ongoing uh, issue here about what kind of support people can get when, when their luck just goes bad or, you know, when, when, when some misfortune happens to them. Yeah, so one thing you mentioned also was this idea of people's so starting places, whether or not their starting places should have some effect on their opportunities. And philosophers at least seem to think that with respect to certain kind of equality of opportunity, starting places shouldn't have any role. So the idea is that at least all jobs, all kinds of opportunities should be open to talents, the mere fact that someone is Aboriginal or has a disability um, or some other characteristic that the unchosen characteristic that they have shouldn't make a difference to whether they can apply for a desirable job, whether they should run for an office, and so on. Um, that idea seems kind of simple, but it's actually even a little bit more complicated because one of the things that Nicole mentioned, for example, seemed to be about racism and bias. So even if you think that legally and formally all jobs are open to talents, there can still be various factors within a society that can mean that certain people get less access to opportunities than others, even if they're equally talented and able. Yeah, we can't just rely on changing the law to fix, you know, what what the sort of injustices we perceive. Indeed, there are hazards, right? There are hazards in relying on the state to sort things out because Brad told us about his story of being, you know, family gets turfed out of their home because the cabinet's in the wrong place. Now, that's a consequence of, you know, the bureaucracy uh, and, and, and the policy not really being, either not being properly designed or, or not properly enacted by bureaucrats, right? Yeah, at the same time, of course, it's really difficult to see how we can possibly make any progress in giving people a broader set of opportunities without the agency of the state being centrally yeah. involved. If we just leave it to people where they happen to be born, what kinds of opportunities their families are able to confer upon them, what kind of advantages they get from where they start, it doesn't seem that we're going to make very much progress at all. No, I mean, I think, I think Nicole was right that we can, we can do better and we ought to try and do better in today's world. Maybe perfect fairness is unattainable, um, but we want to look at questions about, well, where we can make some progress. Yeah, so, so considering the fact that everyone does have different abilities, I want to ask the question, to what extent should we be allowed to have different access to wealth and opportunities? What kind of restrictions can legitimately be put on people's exercise of their abilities and talents? Hi, I'm Tessa and I'm 18 years old. I think I could be a bit biased in the sense that I'm quite a high achiever and um, especially in university when I have to work in group projects and there's that slacker who really brings us down um, when we could have gotten a very high score and then that person would so if we could have gone in HD we got a D but then that person if you worked by himself probably could have gone on a pass but we carry him up to a D anyway. Those sort of things really, it's like, where's the justice in that? I work so hard and yet this person drags me down. Hi, I'm Nicole. I would really like to see people judged on their determination and on their 
on their willingness rather than on their ability. Um, it doesn't really matter whether you can do something, it's whether you're willing to learn to do something. Okay, I want to pick up on something that Nicole talked about, which is that, look, we're very we're in the habit of identifying people as talented and talking about them as if they're born with their abilities. But, you know, in, in reality, it's not that simple, right? To some extent, people are born with abilities, maybe, but then they've got to cultivate them, right? They've got to have time to develop them. They've got to be helped by other people to develop them. And, you know, when someone's got a great ability, that's largely a reflection of how much other people happen to value what they do. Right, which is not on them, that's on other people. So it's all a bit complicated, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, on the one hand, I sort of agree that it's important to think of people not just in terms of what they can now do, but of what they can potentially do, and that when we're thinking about which person to hire for a particular job or to give a certain kind of opportunity, we should care about what they can become rather than just what they are. Yeah. At the same time, I'm a little bit concerned about the idea that we should simply base those judgments on how determined someone is, right? Because somebody can be as determined as they want to be the best ice skater in the world, and yet I don't think that the ice skating team should choose the person who just happens to be the most determined. But we should actually care about performance, right? We should care about what they're actually able to do and what they're likely to be able to do, rather than just how determined and committed they are. Yeah, of course, but I reckon, you know, that the problem is that we just err too far in favour of what they've actually done. Um, you know, we talk about ice skating teams, I don't know much about that, but you know, when, when we actually hire new members of staff, you look at someone's CV and they've got all these fancy publications, degree from a fancy university and so on, and we think, oh, this person's top notch, look at someone else's CV and it's not as fancy. But we don't know, there's loads we don't know about how much help the first person got and how much help the second person got. Now, a lot of jobs and opportunities are being awarded to people who can then develop in that role, right? Maybe not ice skating, and if we're hiring someone who's, you know, in their late 20s and they're going to be here for 30 years or more, potential is really important, huh? And, and, you know, hiring the person who's done better so far, you might just be rewarding the privilege, you know? And that might be unjust, even if at this point in time they've produced more. Yeah, so I think that one of the things maybe we need to distinguish is between making a choice on the basis of what someone's demonstrated ability is now and making a choice on the basis of what we can reasonably expect their ability to be, right? Mm. Some people would go a bit further and think that even if we don't think that someone's ability is likely to ever be as great as another person's ability, either now or developed, that we still ought to take into consideration the fact that they're from a particular background or they had certain disadvantages. So maybe we don't want to hire the absolutely hopeless ice skater, but maybe we want to hire someone that we don't actually think is ever going to be the best ice skater, but rather the person who is a mixture of a good ice skater, but also someone who did as best as they could really have been expected to do, given the kinds of opportunities they have had. Tessa talked about oh, this problem of when you work hard and someone else doesn't and you just carry them. That's not fair. And indeed, there's a, there's a deep problem here about um, whenever I want something for free or for not much, someone else got to pay for it, someone else got to produce it. It's not on, is it? Yeah, so I think that there's there's something going on in that particular case where there are people involved in a joint project and everybody, it seems, has an obligation to sort of do their fair share and somebody's not doing their fair share and there seems to be a deep unfairness in that. I think everybody sort of experienced that feeling of somebody sort of not doing what they ought to do and they feel like they're being penalized to it. 
But at the same time, society doesn't always have that sort of structure, right? Giving right. people the general kind of ability to read and, and write and function and certain kind of basic capacities doesn't necessarily depend on somehow taking away from somebody's opportunities or we can actually provide these things to just about everybody. Yeah, and I think the, the injustice that Tessa identified has to do with the cost being imposed on just one person. We can spread the cost around a bit more. Which brings us on to this issue of taxation, right? And we can ask people about this as well. Hi, I'm Nicole. My initial reaction is that taxes are bad. <laughs> um, just because it's something that every everybody complains about and it's like money that you don't get to keep until you do your tax and maybe maybe you're lucky enough to get a, um, a return um, or you've paid too much. But in saying that, I'm not sure how we can get around it. Hello, I'm Brad. Everyone should pay their taxes. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't pay their taxes. People take advantage of it and they work somewhere and they don't pay their taxes. And that's one person that doesn't pay their taxes that's paying for a police officer's employment. People that like do big donations get it back at they get it back at tax return that's that's not right that's wrong it's not donating otherwise it's not cha- no, it's not charity it's not helping because they they just like rich people think oh if i donate all this money it's all right i'll get it back at tax time that's that's wrong yeah so one thing that nicole mentioned was that people seem to perceive taxes as a bad thing mm. um now what's actually going on there i mean on the one hand when we look around us, we see lots of things that wouldn't exist without taxation. Mm. The, the sidewalks we're walking on, the trams we're taking, uh, the schools we've gone to in many cases, just about everything is financed in some degree by taxation. And certainly if we're interested in equality of opportunity, it's very difficult to see how you could possibly make any sort of headway with that without substantial investment by the state. The thing about taxation is it's coercive, right? You, you... You've produced something, some income, and then the state comes along and says, oh, you've got to give us some of this, otherwise, you know, you're, you're a criminal or whatever, and it forces you to, to give some of it up or else. Um, and so people feel that, well, you know, I've, I've done something to produce... I've worked to produce something. Now someone's coming along and grabbing it off me. I think that's why people don't like it. Yeah, and but it's it's kind of interesting that people think of it in that terms, right? Because if you actually think about what you've produced, what you've produced depends to a large extent, very much on the environment in which you're operating. And the environment in which you're operating is very much a creature of all the taxes that people have been paying up until that point. So Mm. the fact that I can go to work and produce the various things that I produce depend on the fact that I've gotten there in a road, the fact that there are other people who are healthy enough to turn up to work because we have some sort of health system, um, that there are educated people there who have been educated through the public system. So the idea that what I get in sort of my gross income is somehow produced simply by me seems to be a bit misleading isn't it yeah i think i think in almost all cases that's right i think on reflection people will agree with that but there's still this question of well why do we tax work in people why is it income that we're relying on to, to generate a lot of the tax revenue right in australia we don't have an inheritance tax we have zero inheritance tax haven't had one since the 70s and that's not taxing work right that's just taxing what you get given because someone else died and liked you. Yeah, and one of the things that Brad sort of alluded to was that while there's something okay about taxes, there's something not only avoidable but sort of 
important about paying your taxes, that we should be concerned, first of all, about what the taxes are actually paying for, that it seems a lot more defensible that you would extract certain kinds mm. of resources from people if what you're doing with those resources are sort of providing them with opportunities back, right? That's in a way sort mm. of paying for things that they're already receiving. Um, and secondly, the idea that how the burden of paying these taxes is fairly allocated. So we might be concerned not about taxes as such, but about the incidence of tax. What's getting taxed and how much different people are being taxed given their kinds of opportunities. Absolutely. And and what, what justice might require, right, is is not, you know, having more or less tax per se, but really changing the way in which we, we raise taxes, right? The, the current way of doing things, you know, maybe maybe that's deeply wrong, right? Maybe we need to radically reform how we tax people. Maybe things are currently loaded too much in favour of the wealthy and, you know, the ordinary working person pays quite a heavy load of taxes. Maybe that needs to change. Maybe that's what we learn if we take a longer look at how we're, how we're taxing people, right? But coming back to our general topic, what does all this really have to do with equality and a fair go, right? Um, how should we understand the idea of a fair go? What are the important steps that we might take towards achieving this? Probably a series of small steps, right? Work out where we've got privilege in society, uh, try and do something about that, and work out where people, you know, their circumstances really are a long way behind everyone else's, you know? Yeah, and I think, that, about that. I think that the other thing that we mentioned was that, you know, while people may disagree about the idea that um, everybody should have the same opportunities independent of where they happen to be born, independent of their family circumstances, because that would involve certain kinds of interference, that we can at least agree that trying to ensure that people actually have sort of fair equality, fair of equality of opportunity in the sense that they have some sort of minimally adequate set of opportunities and that we really do ensure that jobs are really open to talents, that there aren't kinds of implicit biases operating in all these kinds of systems so that people from disadvantaged groups are getting excluded from opportunities, if formally, even if not legally. Yeah, I, I think everyone will have their own, you know, everyone listening will have their own experience of unfairness and their own, will able to think, be able to think of some way in which we can you know, make one of these incremental improvements. Then we'll get closer to having a fair go. Dialogues is an Ethics Matters podcast. It was produced by Snodger Media and funded by a University of Melbourne Engagement Grant and the School of Philosophy at the ANU.